and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. I'm in the car next to you on the highway, heading to work. I sit in front of you on the bus. I work in the office down the hall and stand next to you in the elevator. We've known each other for years. And I've told you a lot about my life. But of all the things you know about me, here's one you don't. I'm one out of every six Americans, and I'm struggling with hunger. This isn't an incurable disease. It's not an uncontrollable epidemic. There's enough food in this country to feed every hungry person. This problem is closer than you think. Fortunately, so is the solution. Please, visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Good morning and welcome to this January 19th, 2012 edition of Hippocrates Now on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are broadcasting live from the University of California Irvine campus, streaming on the web at www.kuci.org and always available via podcast. You can find a link to this podcast and others by logging on to www.kuci.org slash talk, scrolling down to the show or any of the others and clicking the link that takes you directly to our podcast. So I'm your host, Nathan Tang. You're listening to Hippocrates Now, and we are dedicated to the science of medicine and fitness. Each Thursday morning, I am here bringing you information, interviews, articles, and clips about the latest and most up-to-date thinking about fitness, medicine, and your health. I'm also here to take your calls. Feel free to call into KUCI 949-824-5824. That's 949-824-5824. Or you can email me at nctang at KUCI.org with questions, comments, or suggestions. So on with the show. Today we'll be talking about fitness, how you can be healthy, lean, and energetic at any age. Joining us in the studio is fitness expert Mark Sisson, a former world-class endurance athlete who not only placed fourth at the Ironman World Championships in 1982, been a liaison between the International Triathlon Union and the International Olympic Committee, but has also written several books on fitness and nutrition, one being the Primal, primal Blueprint, Reprogram Your Genes for Effortless Weight Loss, Vibrant Health, and Boundless Energy, which some of you may be familiar with, before I go any further, I'm going to let Mark introduce himself. Take it away, Mark. Uh, oh, hey, Nathan. Thanks for having me on today. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, no, I, I'm uh, a former athlete and uh, tried to do everything right, tried to do everything that uh, uh, conventional wisdom suggested I do, which included putting in lots of miles, training really, really hard, and eating a very 
complex carbohydrate-based diet uh, to the extent of maybe 1,000 grams a day of carbohydrate. And I got to be pretty good. I got to be a pretty fast endurance athlete. Um, I was what you might say the picture of health on the outside, but on the inside I was ruining myself, and that's ultimately what brought my career to a screeching halt. I had osteoarthritis. I had uh, irritable bowel syndrome, upper respiratory tract infections several times a year. I had uh, chronic tendonitis. I was pretty much a wreck inside, and um, as a result of years of, of training and eating according to this diet, I realized that this was not the path I wanted to go down. I was, I, I was falling apart, so I retired from competition at the ripe old age of 28 wow. and um, moved into looking at ways in which not only I could achieve a lean, fit, strong, healthy body with the least amount of pain and suffering and sacrifice, but ways in which anybody in the general population could do that. And that's really what became uh, this whole concept I've developed called the Primal Blueprint. So you say this, this pain inside, it, it came from a, heart, a high carb diet, is that what, is that what you're Part saying? It, yeah, what we've realized over the past few years is that, um, and it's really, you know, we've been, a uh, hundred years of research, but really on the, only in the past decade has the, has the genetic science been able to prove uh, these theories. But humans are supposed to be pretty good fat burners. We're supposed to be born with a genetic recipe that wants us to derive most of our energy on a day-to-day -day basis from our stored body fat. And yet, because of the way that we've, we have access to these cheap calories in the form of processed grains and processed carbohydrates and simple sugars, we, we literally reprogram our genetic um, instructions over the, uh, over the early years of our lives to become obligate sugar burners, and therefore we have to wind up eating every three or four hours or else our blood sugar uh, lowers. And the reality is because we're, our factory setting at birth is supposed to be as a, as a very efficient fat-burning organism, uh, my whole uh, strategy is to regain that factory setting, to, to reaccess that ability to effectively burn fats and not rely so much on carbohydrates. Well, you know what? You might ask, well, why should we not rely on carbs? Aren't they the body's preferred fuel? And the answer is they're not. Um, carbs are not supposed to be present in most diets in the huge quantities that they are. And a, a high presence of simple, particularly refined carbohydrates, refined grains, increases inflammation. It increases insulin. It increases a lot of, uh, of uh, biochemistry that leads us down this path toward obesity, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, possibly even cancer and heart disease. Um, and you know, if you if you distill it down to um, some essential elements, it is about the the ability of our uh, of our bodies to to burn fat. And when we bypass that and we supply all this sugar, we get into trouble. So my my years as an endurance athlete being fueled by tremendous amounts of carbohydrate caused a substantial amount of of localized and systemic inflammation um, in my joints in my muscles, um, and certainly even in my bloodstream. And, and that was really the problem. It was certainly a, a result of running 100 miles a week training as well. Oh, wow. But this ability to fuel it with carbohydrate um, without having really looked into this amazing uh, opportunity to burn fat was what caused the biggest problem. 
and you, and you say that that's probably one of the the greatest causes for our current trend in rise in obesity and diabetes, and that's that's really interesting that you say that because you know it it is it's it's out of control nowadays, and like you said, the way the way we get our food at the at the, at the supermarket, I mean. If we look at the packages and it's filled, it's filled with sugars and carbohydrates, and you say this is this is the evil, this is the greatest evil that we can, I think in your in your in your primal blueprint, you talk about the the Paleolithic diet. Am I correct? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, we're we're you know we look at um, certainly the um, I mean the basis of the primal blueprint is is this personal power and this control we have over our own bodies to flip genetic switches. We have. Each of us has a recipe for a perfect, happy, healthy, productive, lean, fit, strong human being. We have a recipe. That's the DNA. You can't alter the DNA, but you can alter the way the genes turn on or off. So you can turn on genes that build muscle. You can turn off certain genes or at least downregulate certain enzyme systems through, through genes that uh, cause us to store fat. You can downregulate uh, systemic inflammation. This is all caused by switching genes on or off. And genes don't turn on or off in a vacuum. They need signals from the environment. And we provide those signals through the foods we eat, the types of exercise we choose to do, even sun exposure, uh, the amount of sleep we get, and so on. So it, it's, it has become my kind of goal to identify all of the uh, factors that turn on uh, genetic expression in a way that we want to manifest ourselves. And ironically... These clues all come from evolutionary biology. You know, we are the result of two and a half million years of evolution. Our genes expect certain behaviors based on the way our ancestors ate and the way they moved and the way they slept. And if we don't provide those signals, the genes kind of go, well, you know, I guess I'm going to have to respond as if I'm in danger. If we do uh, find out what the clues are and if we do align ourselves, our lifestyles, with um, with the expectations of our genes, uh, we can, again, achieve that kind of happy, healthy, productive body that we're all seeking. So what you're saying, Mark, is we are pretty much in control of our own health and fitness by the, by the things we consume. Well, uh, I would say that 80% of our um, body composition, uh, that of us which is muscle versus that of us which is fat, 80% of that is determined by how you eat. Conversely, you cannot exercise away a bad diet. Now, I know when I was your age and uh, the age of probably most of your listeners, um, you know, I got away with, with uh, dietary murder, as they say. I, I, would, I could eat whatever I wanted because I would burn it off with my outrageous amount of, of running and other training that I would do. But as we get older, you can't rely on that. And, and, or if you don't put in 100 miles a week of training or 50 miles a week of running or whatever it is, you can't exercise away a bad diet. So I'm quite clear that 80% of your body composition happens as a result of how you eat and the way that you reprogram your genes to derive most of your energy from stored body fat so that when you're just walking around the house or walking around the dorm or in class or even sleeping, you're deriving most of your energy from your own stored body fat. And if you have excess body fat, you will tend to burn that body fat off and you will tend to achieve or at least trend toward what we call your ideal or optimal body composition. That's, that's absolutely interesting. Now I'm going to ask you, um, after you switched from your high-carb diet into the, the so-called Paleolithic diet, did you yourself feel any, any drastic changes in the, in, the way you, in the way you went about your day? Did you feel like, 
not yeah, to Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, because I absolutely did. Uh, for most of my life, I had, I had to take a nap at 2.30 in the afternoon, and if I didn't, I was going to um, bite somebody's head off. I mean, I've, I, I experienced typical highs and lows that a sugar burner experiences as a result of taking in large amounts of carbohydrate, uh, which promotes the secretion of insulin to get rid of all the blood sugar or at least to, to lower this high amount of blood sugar that has recently entered the bloodstream, which then causes a rebound effect, and now you have low blood sugar, and then you have to go eat again. Uh, one of the first things I noticed was the evening out of my energy levels over the course of the day. Uh, that was pretty transformational by itself. I also learned when I gave up grains entirely, and we could have a whole show on, uh, on how detrimental most grains are to, to health, um, you know, my irritable bowel syndrome went away. My uh, arthritis that I started getting at the age of 48, I'm 58 now, um, completely went away. Uh, so I started to notice things that I had assumed were normal parts of living, the napping, uh, the, the arthritis, the, you know, the tension in my gut. When those things disappeared, I realized, wow, this, even, even though I had assumed that I was a, a healthy eater, and I assumed I was doing everything according to the way the medical community wanted me or was suggesting that I eat. Um, it wasn't until I really dug deeply into this paleolithic, I call it the primal way of eating, that I, I started to notice uh, greater benefits than I would have ever imagined. That's, and you say that, that grains... Um are 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 the, are the evil contrary to what dietitians and physicians may say nowadays grains are 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 the cause of of many of many you know common nowadays diseases like such as obesity and is that, is that what you're getting at absolutely I mean, that's one of the one of the main uh, premises that I work on is the fact that we have access to all of these um, cheap sources of calories that convert to glucose very rapidly in the bloodstream and once again when we're talking about controlling body fat and increasing energy. We're talking about uh, uh, achieving more normal levels or healthy levels of insulin. And grain products tend to drive insulin levels up, which and insulin is a fat storage hormone. So insulin promotes the storage of excess calories as fat, and it locks fat into fat cells so that they can't be burned and makes you rely continuously on this supply of sugar. Grains, um, and that's, by the way, uh, probably the, the, the only reasonable reason to make grains a, a significant part of your diet is if you need a source of calories that converts to glucose very rapidly. But beyond that, there are a lot of components of a lot of grain products that we find antithetical to health. We call them uh, these things anti-nutrients. I would imagine that most of your listeners have heard of gluten intolerance because that's become a big marketing um, uh, term right now, gluten-free. And that's because a lot of people have a, a very uh, significant reaction to the protein, the main protein that's found in uh, grains and particularly in wheat. Uh, this gluten protein can cause a lot of problems with a lot of people. Beyond that, there are other uh, lectins, these anti-nutrients that can cause um, problems with the cells lining the gut and, and ultimately cause what we call leaky gut syndrome. Now, leaky gut syndrome simply means that uh, part of your gut, which is supposed to be a barrier and which is supposed to only allow simple molecules like simple sugars, amino acids, uh, fatty acids into the bloodstream, if it leaks, 
Now you're getting into the bloodstream, you're getting large undigested protein molecules that can cause your immune system to go crazy and uh, become inflamed and in many instances can even set up what we call an autoimmune disease, uh, uh, late uh, onset type 1 diabetes, uh, thyroiditis, lupus, certainly rheumatoid arthritis. These are all examples of autoimmune diseases that may have a dietary uh, beginning. Wow, I see. So, I mean, my family and I, we, we eat a ton of grains. I mean, um, last year my, my dad underwent a, a, a colonoscopy, I mean, not a colonoscopy, but a, a colon surgery. And he had, he had a take out a polyp, is that what they say? Yeah. And that was because his, his physician had told him that he wasn't eating enough grains. And I, I'm guessing in that respect, uh, grains would help you digest the food and carry out all the, all the, the fats and... Um, all the the toxins from the from the colon, but I mean, no, I would I would see I would disagree entirely with your with with his physician, and uh, respectfully, I mean, this is my you know I'm I'm not a doctor, but I've done thirty years of research in this, and what we're finding now is that there the the conventional wisdom that suggests that you're not eating enough grains may be diametrically opposed to what you need to do. It may be that you're eating too much in the way of grains, and particularly whole grains. Ironically, the ones that that people would consider healthy. Um, I am of the opinion that whole grains, you know, may be a, a major culprit in this. You don't need that much fiber, and that this concept that you have to have grains in order to get indigestible fiber to kind of sweep your colon clean and brush your insides out um, is is ridiculous, uh, according to my research. It's it, again, it may be antithetical to health. Wow, that's that's definitely something to handle and something to take in. You know, I'm that's that's going to be a lifestyle and, and diet change for me definitely. Um, but that's that's wonderful. But aside from aside from the dietary functions, do you have any recommendations in ser- in terms of certain exercises we should be doing on a daily basis? Sure. I mean, once you understand that eighty percent of your body composition happens as a result of how you eat. Um, it sort of unburdens you of this notion that you have to go out and burn off a ton of calories every day in order to be healthy. Uh, what I suggest is that people, first of all, find ways to move often and at a low level of aerobic activity. So walking is still the greatest activity known to man. If you can find ways to walk uh, on a daily basis, do so. If it's uh, a hike, that's great. If it's parking a mile away from work and, and, or, or the getting off at a train station uh, one stop before your normal stop. Find ways to, to incorporate walking into your activity. And don't make it about burning calories. Exercise should never be about burning calories. It should not be about, you know, the, the little LED readout on the treadmill that, that makes you feel like a good person because it got up to 425 by the end of your workout. Exercise is simply about the movement. So find ways to move around a lot at a low level of activity, but also find ways to move around intensely once in a while. Now, this doesn't mean go to the gym and lift weights heavy six days a week. In my world, this means twice a week go to the gym or do a workout outside if you if you if you want to, uh, and do a full body routine. I choose to do push-ups, pull-ups, dips, squats, lunges. Um, I sometimes do them with a weight vest, but I do intense, full range of motion body weight activities. And I'm done, my, my shortest workout is usually 10 to 15 minutes, and my longest workout is never more than 45 minutes. And I only do that twice a week, because if you do it appropriately, if you do it intensely enough, 
you can't do it the next day. You know, you, you need a couple of days to recover from it for the muscles to, to grow and repair and, and rebuild and, and uh, give you the sort of um, advance that you're, that you're seeking. So, so far we have move around a lot at a low level of activity. Twice a week do some form of high-intensity, full-body range of motion thing. And then once a week um, I like to do sprints. Now, I do them on the beach and I do them barefoot. You can do them on a bike. You can do them on an elliptical machine. You can even do them in the pool. But what this means is you're getting your heart rate up. You're, you're going at a max effort after some warm-up. You're going at a max effort from anywhere from 10 seconds to 40 seconds uh, with a one- to two-minute rest in between. But you're just going all out. You're, you're, you're recreating the same sort of scenario that a 10,000-year-old hunter-gatherer would have created when he was running away for his life from a beast that was about to charge and, and kill him. You know, the body expects this high-intensity, very pulse, pulse-like pulse spurt of, of um, all-out effort, um, not daily and not every four days, but, you know, once a week, maybe once every 10 days. So to recap, we have, uh, once again, three strategies. One is to find ways to move around a lot at a low level, walking. Um, the other is twice a week maybe in some cases three times, but twice a week, get into the gym for anywhere from 15 to 35 minutes into a full-body uh, range of motion. We call it resistance training. And then once a week, find a way to sprint. That's, that's really interesting. So what you're saying, it's not, about, it's not about the duration or how long you exercise five days of the week, but it's about the intensity of your exercise and how full-body range of exercise. Yeah, unless you're specifically training to be a bodybuilder, uh, or you're specifically training to be a world-class athlete in a particular sport, you will achieve your optimal body uh, composition, and you will achieve probably your optimal amount of, of fitness without sacrificing your health. And that's important because I think a lot of people actually train too much, and they compromise their health when they train too much. So there's a, there's a nice little sweet spot in there where you can achieve kind of the ideal body composition, your ideal strength, your ideal in endurance capacity and aerobic capacity um, with, again, with the least amount of pain and suffering and sacrifice if you do it according to uh, the way your genes expect you to. I see. Wow. And uh, we're almost out of time, but I just, I just do have one last question. So my mother who works, she works 14-hour shifts, and... Um, I mean, she leaves at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then she comes home at, at 10 at night or sometimes even later. And, it, you know, sometimes it's, it, even during the lunch break, it's so hard to find time or in between to, you know, do, do some walking or do some running or exercises from, sub, of some kind. So do you have any recommendations for her? Well, that's tough when you're working double shifts because one of the most important aspects of, the, of this primal blueprint strategy is getting enough sleep. And uh, so, so rule number one would be don't sacrifice sleep in order to try and get to the gym. You're better off getting the sleep and eating right, uh, and then, particularly with, with two-a-days, um, you know, not, not trying to, to pack in the workout. But in her case, it would be, you know, whenever she can get up and move around her desk or if she's, you know, walking around at, at work, um, you know, wear maybe minimalist types of shoes so she can uh, work the muscles in her feet and just find ways to move during those 14 hours. I'll be sure to tell her that, Mark. Okay. Then, uh, Mark, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, we've learned so much for you about the Paleolithic diet, you know, about quality over quantity in terms of your exercises during the week, and about how we should eat, about rethink grains and what we consume. Yep. 
But uh, thanks for being on the show. Hey, my pleasure. And see you next time. All right, thank you very much, Mark. Take care. You too. That was Mark Sisson, fitness expert and world-class athlete. He came to us to talk to us about fitness and the Paleolithic diet. So unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. You've been listening to Hippocrates Now with Nathan Tang on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Be sure to check out this and other KUCI talk shows at www.kuci.org slash talk. You can check out our programming programming guide for an entire listing of KUCI shows, and the site will direct you to downloads of past shows in our radio archive. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay with us. Coming up next is Ziba Z with Our Digital Future on KUCI 88.9 FM.